0: Hey everyone. I'm Britt, and this is Teachers Off Topic, the podcast. That's right. You may have noticed that there is no Becca this week. So we kind of decided that Becca is in her last week of summer. She went on a trip with her boyfriend to meet his family. Ooh. So we kind of decided that, you know what? She deserves to fully enjoy her last week off without Any interruptions and so this week I decided to fly solo just to give her a break and who knows next week's her first week of school may go solo again I don't know but this year especially we've got to have that grace and so if my girl needs a break she needs a break um also you may notice that I sound a little bit weird that might be because I have a cold At least we think it's a cold. We're not quite sure. It could be from all the smoke in the air, and I did go to a baseball game screaming my head off, but more than likely, it's a cold. But I'm still up, I'm still going, and we're going to do this. You know, all of us are entering our last couple weeks of summer, so I hope everyone is really, really enjoying it. I know I am. I've got family coming to town from California. Actually, today, I'm heading out to another city to go meet up with them. And I'm super excited because this is going to be the first time that me and all my siblings and all of our children are together. And so, yes, we expect chaos. Yes, I expect to be exhausted. But my heart also expects to be full. So, super excited. We get to spend a week with them. Let's see what else is new. I mean, the fires in Montana are really, really bad right now. I hope I don't sound too awful. I'm literally waiting to the last minute to record because my voice has been even worse than this, if you can believe it. This is what we like to call Brett, is here when Brett turns into Brett because of my chest colds. So, I don't know. We'll see how long this one lasts. Do I have any other updates? Uh, Anna. Yeah, this is going to be a weird one-way conversation, but good thing I'm really good at talking to myself <laughs> and I make myself laugh. So, you know, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. All right. I kind of want to jump into this story that I've chosen this week. It's from 2006. Hey, that's when I graduated high school. So it's from 2006. And it's kind of a story that caught my attention because this is not something that normally happens. So this is a school shooting in an Amish school. I know that's it caught my attention because Amish and, uh, shootings like technology don't really go hand in hand. So that's kind of what caught my attention on this. So it was a typical peaceful fall day, October 2nd, 2006. But that peace was shattered when the sound of gunfire was heard from inside an Amish school. When police, local police broke into the one room Amish schoolhouse, they found 10 Amish girls ages 6 through 13 had been shot by Charles Carl Roberts IV, who had then committed suicide. So, you know, unfortunately, school shootings are not, you know, they're frequent in this country. But this really displayed a clash of two different cultures. There's the modern and the more advanced with the guns. uh, And then there is the withdrawn community of the Amish, who, you know, they intentionally... Attempt to distance themselves from worldly influences. So the violence that is far too common in one society was able to blast its way into this very nonviolent, peaceful community of gentle people. This shooting took place at the West Nickel Mimes. Sorry, not mimes. <laughs> <laughs> like a mime? Like, what am I talking? Mine. Mines. Uh, it'd be funny if the Amish had a my, my mean school. <laughs> okay. Where am I at? So, West Nickel Mines Amish School, located about 12 miles southeast of Lancaster City. Nickel Mines is just a crossroads, is just a crossroad between Bart Townsh- Township, a local, um, well, a city that has a population of roughly 3,000 Amish and non-Amish people. So they kind of live in a mixed community. The school was a typical Amish one-room school with the school bell even on the roof. Oh, it's so cute. They had two outhouses, a baseball field, and an enclosed schoolyard. It was built in 1976. You know, the blackboard was a sign. It even had a teddy bear on it, and it said, visitors bubble up our days. Oh, it's so cute. 26 children, ages 6 through 13, from three different local Amish church districts attended this school. Now let's get to the shooter. Charles Roberts, Charles, Charlie Roberts, was a milk driver, truck driver, who serviced the local community, including the farms of some of these victims' families. Nine years earlier from the shooting his wife Amy gave birth to their first child, the baby girl. However, the baby died after only living for 20 minutes. And this affected him greatly. He never forgave God for her death and eventually planned to get revenge. So this death of his daughter, I mean, obviously would mess anybody up, but it made him really angry at God. So on the morning of October 2nd, Robert said goodbye to his to two of his own children at the school bus stop, then drove to West Nickel Mines Amish School. When he walked into the door, some of the children recognized him because he's the milk truck driver. That day, the school had four adults in the building visiting the teacher. It was the teacher's mother, her sister, and two sister-in-laws, and one of the women was pregnant. When the young teacher saw Robert's gun, She and her mother quickly left the other adults with the children and ran to a nearby house to call for help. They called 911. Meanwhile, the pregnant visitor was trying to comfort seven-year-old Naomi Rose when Roberts ordered all of the adults to leave. Then he told the boys to leave. The boys, during that time, they left and they were huddled near an outhouse to pray. Robert's had the 10 girls lie down facing the blackboard and he tied their hands and feet. Robert told the girls he was sorry for what he was about to do to them. And he said, quote, I'm angry at God and I need to punish some Christian girls to get even with him. End quote. So what's confusing to me is that this is nine years later. So his daughter died in 1997 Obviously would send any parent over the edge. But then nine years later is when he wants to get his revenge. I'm very confused. Clearly there are mental issues, mental health issues going on here. Now when the state police arrived, Roberts ordered them to leave the property or he would shoot. He told the girls, quote, I'm going to make you pay for my daughter. And one of the girls, 13-year-old Marion, said, shoot me first. So she was willing to die for these other girls. You know, I mean, the bravery that this girl showed is absolutely insane. So Roberts began shooting each of the girls before finally shooting himself. When the police broke into the school, two of the girls, including Marion, were dead. Naomi Rose died in the arms of a state trooper. Oh my god. Emergency personnel arrived quickly and helicopters flew the wounded to the hospitals in Lancaster, Hershey, Reading, and Delaware. Two sisters died later that night in two different area hospitals. Amish parents tried to console themselves by saying the five girls who had died were safe in the arms of Jesus. So one, two girls died instantly. One died in the arms of a state trooper and two others died at the hospital. Now. I mean, I can't even imagine the shock of the Amish because they are a peaceful community. That stuff does not happen there. And I mean, the whole reason they live the way they live is for the peace. And here goes somebody from the modern world going in and ruining that. So let's talk about how they've responded to this. And the community responded to this. So word about the shooting spread very quickly throughout the Amish community. The shooting was reported on local television stations and was soon picked up by the national media. Reporters, photographers, and video crews invaded this rural countryside to report this story around the world. While the Amish community strives to avoid publicity, this tragic event thrusts their community in front of the entire world. The Amish were obviously shocked by this incident, and they collectively grieved for the, these children and their families, but that shock extended far beyond just the Amish. This tragedy really rocked their entire county. The day after the shooting, 1,600 people gathered for a prayer service at one local church, while hundreds more met at other churches for prayer. You know, It doesn't really just affect those people. It affects everyone around them. And that's hard to take in. And so all these people are showing up to show their support. All Lancaster County shared in the horror and grief of this tragedy. As one person said, today we're all Amish. Now that's beautiful. Because at that point it didn't matter who was Amish, who was Christian, who was from the modern world, who was from non-modern They all came together because in the end, humans are humans and children are children. And it's a tragedy when we lose anyone. Some individuals and organizations hosted barbecues and other events to raise financial support for the victims' funds. Over 3,000 motorcyclists rode together from nearby Chester County to Lancaster in a procession over 12 miles long. They raised over $30,000 in support. A number of funds were set up to accept donations for the families of the Amish girls who were shot and Robert's, and for Robert's wife and three young children. So they were even there to support the Shooter's family. Donations and, and sympathy flowed in not only from Lancaster County, but from across the country and around the world. For months, volunteers met at the BART, TWP, Firehouse to sort through thousands of cards, letters, and teddy bears and other gifts from around the world. Some were addressed simply to Amlish Families USA. In all, over $4 million was raised in support of these families. $4 million! Like, one, that is just an amazing show of support, and just how quickly our country. And people from all over the world come together when a tragedy strikes. You know, I truly believe human race is innately good, although sometimes it goes wrong. But for the most part, humans are fantastic at pulling together when we get our heads out of our butts. Yep. Okay. The horror of this school shooting was the story the reporters came to tell about. However, in the hours and days following the shooting, another story developed that also caught the world's attention. The story of Amish grace and forgiveness. Now, to me, this is the most amazing part of this story is what I'm about to say right now. In the midst of their grief over the shocking loss, the Amish community didn't cast blame. They didn't point fingers. They didn't hold a press conference with attorneys at their side. Instead, they reached out with grace and compassion towards the killer's family. Like, excuse me. That is just beyond amazing. That even when it's happened to their little girls, they're reaching out to the shooter's family because it affects them too. And the fact that they were able to see that even while grieving for their own and still have the compassion to provide support for the shooter's family. Like it's just, that is an amazing response. The afternoon of the shooting, an Amish grandfather of one of the girls who was killed expressed forgiveness towards the killer, Charles Roberts. That same day, Amish neighbors visited the Roberts family to comfort them in their sorrow and pain. Later that week, the Roberts family was invited to the funeral of one of the Amish girls who had been killed. So not only did they reach out to Roberts family, the wife and children, but they also went, you know, and invited them to the funerals not out of a vengeance, not out of anger or hatred, but, you know, oftentimes after a tragedy and after you've lost a loved one, whether it was by choice in his case or by, you know, force in the other girl's case, sometimes you don't know what to do with yourself. And so having things to do and being able to support others actually helps those who are grieving. So, and at Charles Roberts' funeral there were way more Amish mourners than there were non-Amish. Now that says a million things about these Amish people. It's ironic that the killer was tormented for nine years by the premature death of his daughter. He never forgave God for her death yet after he cold bloodedly shot 10 innocent Amish schoolgirls, the Amish almost immediately forgave him and showed compassion towards his family. You know, in a, in a world at war and in a society that constantly points fingers and places blame on others, this type of reaction is really unheard of. You know, many Many reporters and interested followers of the story asked, how could they forgive such a terrible and unprovoked act of violence against innocent lives? And it just... Grace and forgiveness. Like, I don't even know how. My... You know, my father was killed in a car accident. And it took me a very long time to not be angry at the man who crashed into him. So, let alone to be that it was children who were victims, but also just within hours, these families showed support. Like these, the the Amish should be our role models, not these athletes and not these celebrities. The Amish should be a role model in our, in this case because the amount of grace and the amount of compassion and forgiveness and support that they had is just absolutely insane. You know, I, listen, my kid comes up and takes one chip and I am holding a grudge. Like, don't touch my chips. You know what I mean? Like, don't, no. So for them, <laughs> not to make light of anything because this is all horrible, but this is kind of how I deal with the tragedy. I mean, I just I'm so amazed at how the Amish did it, like just to be able to forgive and be peace and at peace with it almost immediately is just, you know, they're doing it right. And his poor family, like I can't imagine being the wife and the children and not being able to see it coming, you know, and I tried to look to see if there was anything that triggered this mental break because it was nine years after his daughter's death. So clearly he was able to function for nine years and then something broke him. Something triggered the memory, something happened, but I really couldn't find anything because everyone said everything was normal, was just normal. So there wasn't any event. I mean, mental health, we've been saying it from the start, mental health. That's how we keep safe. And also, don't touch my chips. So, you know. Anyways, so that's the story of how an Amish school had a school shooter. And I thought that was pretty interesting just because, you know, we hear about it so much in regular society. And then to hear the violence is making its way into a gentle society and a peaceful society is just heartbreaking. But again, mental health, people, mental health. Um, so not to switch subject, well, it's kind of on the same subject, but I do want to bring up um, the most recent display of mental health and caring for your mental health. And we posted about it, but Simone Biles dropped out of the Olympics. Now, when I say this woman is my hero, you know, I've grew up as a gymnast. My entire family are gymnasts. We followed, I mean, I still think of the Magnificent Seven in the 90s, in the Olympics. Like, we have been diehard gymnastics fans for as long as I can remember. And Simone, even though she's younger than me, her passion, her drive, her confidence has always inspired me. You know, and she pulled out on tuesday of the um of all the rest of the events in the finals because of her mental health she was not in the right mindset to be representing the united states and a lot of people most people are in support of her saying absolutely take care of your mental health you know this is important but then there are the other people who are saying this is literally your job um i'm sorry but do you never have to take a mental health day? Because if so, if not, like if you don't ever have to take a mental health day and you're perfectly great at your job every second and don't feel pressure, tell me who your therapist is because I need to start seeing them. But Simone Biles did what she did for her own mental health, and that is absolutely okay, especially in gymnastics. If you are not in the right mental state in gymnastics. One small mistake, one small mistake could ruin your career, could get you injured, and sometimes can even kill you. It's not like she is doing like amateur moves here. You know, if her mind is not solely focused on her body and on her routine, that can cause serious injuries. You know, she is coming up with moves that you know, no other female gymnasts have done. She has a couple moves named after her. And even still, she was underappreciated by the Gymnastics Association. You know, they downed her score because it was too difficult because they don't want to make it worth more points or hard moves because it's dangerous for other people, other gymnasts to try them. That is the most, absurd. so she's too good. Is what they're saying. Now when that happens. And she's also being called the GOAT. If you don't know what the GOAT is. It's greatest of all time. Which I 100% agree. I think she is one of the greatest athletes ever. Uh, But imagine being just 24. And even years ago she was being called this. And all this pressure. I I can't even imagine the amount of pressure that's on her shoulders. You know she's supposed to perform these moves that. Nobody's ever seen before and nobody's ever done before. And that's a lot of pressure for one person to handle. So the fact that she realized she was not in the right mental state and, you know, my sister and I, we watched everything up until that moment. And even in the qualifications, everything, I was like, something's not right with her. Like she doesn't seem in it. She wasn't as focused. And we could see that before she even did that vault. And then she did the vault and had to bail out of it. And I knew right then and there, I was like, something's not right. I am very happy that she pulled out. I think we need to take mental health seriously. You know, and I think people also have to remember the things that she's gone through. You know, she was one of Coach uh, Bella Caroli's last gymnasts, and she was abused in the gym and she has created her own gym for girls that's safe, that they can feel safe there. And I mean, there's just everything about her is freaking amazing. And I absolutely love her confidence. So anyone who hates on her confidence is just ridiculous. You know, one of my favorite things is she says, I'm not the next Usain Bolt. I'm not the next Michael Phelps. I'm the next Simone Biles. Absolutely. And people say it's cocky. But when you're the best athlete, come on. Come on. And to me, she's not cocky about it. She's just confident. She knows who she is. She knows how good she is. She doesn't flash in everyone's face. But truthfully, she's the hardest on herself because she is in it for the love of the sport and for herself. And when it became apparent at the Olympics that she wasn't in it for herself, she stopped. And that is absolutely how it should be. I don't know why we keep putting pressure on these athletes to perform just because that's their job. Well, sometimes we can't do our job and that's okay. Sometimes I'm not the greatest teacher. Sometimes I have to call off of work for a mental health day and that's okay. Sometimes if I'm so down in the dump, I've got to take a couple days off for my mental health. And that's okay. We need to make it okay to take care of yourself. Sorry. And thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm just joking. Okay. (laughs) This is really weird, like, talking to myself and not seeing Becca. And it's even funnier that this is going to come out and Becca's going to have to listen to it with the rest of you. Like, she has no idea what's coming out. This is gonna be great. Hey, Becca. Oh God, why did my voice sound like that? Hey, hey. Okay, I gotta stop. <clears throat> so, I want to do my tips and tricks. I am not gonna do a jingle, uh, just because I don't want to, and my voice—it's not. It wouldn't be pretty. Okay, okay, okay. I'll try it. I'll, I'll try. Okay. <clears throat> Tips and tricks with the Brit. I don't know what that was. (laughs) Becca, come back. (laughs) Okay. You know, as school is coming around the corner, I've, last week I did the bulletin board tips and tricks. This week I'm going to do another tip and trick. This is for beginning of the year stuff in a way to really get to know your students. So a lot of students are shy or you know they have little quirks about them that usually take us about a month to really catch on and to get to know these kids. This kind of expedites that that situation where we can get to know our kids even sooner. So I like to do I wish my teacher knew. Where I have a jar and students have multiple access at least to scraps of paper, you know, small squares, and they can be anonymous or they can put their name on it, especially if it's, you know, something that pertains to them specifically and needs to be geared towards them. But on there, it's I wish my teacher knew and they get to write what they wish you knew. And the reason why this is so great is because Some students are triggered by certain things that we don't intentionally do, but it just would be nice to know, you know, and I have students who say I'm sensitive to sound, like I don't like loud sounds. That's good to know for me when I'm rearranging the desk, because I am very loud in the front of the classroom. And I've had students who had chronic ear infections and tubes and had issues with the ears. And so where I sat her, I had to sit her towards the back so that her ears weren't constantly ringing and hurting because of my voice. Yes, I'm loud. I know it. I accept it. And I respond to their requests. You know, um, it could be that someone says, hey, I'm distracted by movement. So maybe I won't sit that student by the door where they can see people walking by. You know, it's just a quick way to get to know your students. Now, You can have them do maybe just like one a day for that first week of school where they get to tell you certain things about themselves. You can turn it into an essay instead of little scraps of paper. So you can do, I wish my teacher knew essay, you know, and that would help gauge their writing as well, where you do, depending on the grade level, of course, anywhere from one sentence to, you know, two paragraphs, right? And you can say, you know, this first paragraph, it's got to be what you wish I knew about your family. That really gets them. Because then you start to learn quickly about their families. And kids are so honest, at least in elementary school, like super duper honest. You know, I could say, tell me something about your family you wish I knew. It'd be like, I wish you knew that my-, my dad walks around in his underwear. Oh, OK. Like, that's not something I need to know, but that's cool. You know, but there are the ones that are, I wish you knew that my parents are divorced. And I go back and forth and it, it causes me stress, you know, and you're just going to learn all these things about your students. And some of them might be really freaking cool. You know, I wish my teacher knew I was really good at creating. I'm really good at creating Google presen- Google slide presentations. Okay. Or I really enjoy, you know, meditation. Okay. Like that's, Now, that's something you can deal with, you know, and some things are out of our control. So we'd have to accept that some things we just can't help and we just can't make better or we can't adjust. Whereas other things, you know, asking about their family. Hey, how's your dad doing? You know, and hey, have you been to mom's house yet? Those little things are what help build that community, that relationship you have with your students, which in turn makes classroom management so much easier. So. Really, you're doing yourself a favor by doing this because it's going to build those relationships faster. So again, it's called I Wish My Teacher Knew. You can do it however you want, but trust me, it works and it is marvelous and you may laugh, you may cry, you may get frustrated, but it creates that safe environment inside the classroom. I've been talking for 30 minutes now and I feel my voice starting to go out. So I'm going to have to wrap this up. (laughs) Thanks for hanging in there with me if you're already here or if you're still here. And Brett says thanks, too. (laughs) Brett's here. I wonder how this sounds. I can't wait to play this back so I can hear it. Hello. Okay. So I have a win for this week, and I'm super excited. I have been working on my vegetable garden all summer long. Finally, it has come together and finished. So I had an area for a vegetable garden. It was really overran. The boards were coming off, like the wooden boards for the planters, like just weeds everywhere. And it just wasn't pretty. Also, my kids kept going to dig in it. And then last summer when I was trying to grow, you know, tomatoes and cucumbers, uh, my my big dog Duke ran through it all and trampled everything. So I was like, okay. I got to do something to try to make this work. And so I did this earlier this summer. I removed everything. I covered it in a tarp so that, you know, it could kill naturally all the weeds. You leave a black tarp on it so that it gets no water, no sun, and it just basically kills everything naturally. Took that off, leveled out the ground. I put in my fence, my little white picket fence, and then I have four... Raised planters in there. They're four by fours, and then surrounding them. So I have them spread out a little bit, about a foot and a half to two feet in between. My sister, bless her soul, thank God she was here because she helped me do all this. She did most of the heavy lifting. You know, I got I got back issues. Psych, I'm just weak. But we put like little stepping stones in there, or I guess cement blocks, cement squares as stepping stones on the sides. And then we filled in everything in between with white rock. So it looks so good. It's got white rocks, brown planters, white picket fence, super freaking cute. You know, it's too late in the season to start planting right now. So I'm actually just going to leave it all empty. I'm not even putting dirt in there. I just figured next season, next spring, I'll put in the dirt and the soil that I need and the mulch that I need. And do it then because I think if I do it now, I have a feeling just all seeds are going to get in there and, you know, weeds and stuff. So I'm just going to leave it where it's at, leave it be and start up next summer. So next summer, I'm going to have a dope garden and we're going to call it the salsa station. And the reason why is because each box will contain ingredients that's specifically for the salsa I make. So I will have cilantro, onions. Garlic, tomatoes, jalapenos—I'm gonna have it all, and I'm super stoked. Although it sucks now, I just have to stare at it and be like, "You're pretty, but kind of useless right now." Hmm. So that's my win, though—is that you know? And it took a lot of work. Trust me. Me and my sister were very amateurs at this. We went to the, we went to Home Depot, and we get there, and we're like, "Okay, we'll do these stepping stones," and then we're like, "How many bags of?" rock do we need? So we got five bags of rocks. Yeah. Ha. Amateur move. We had to go back for 25 more bags of rocks. <laughs> Severely underestimated that, but that's okay. We did it. We got it. And now I'm paying for it with my voice because I was out in the smoke the whole time. Uh, <clears throat> I'll get there. It's okay. So that's all I have for you. Super quick episode because you know, I don't have my partner in crime with me, but I sure hope she's enjoying her time off. I hope you all are enjoying your time off. Remember, rest, relax, take time for yourself. Try not to rush into the school year. It's going to come whether we like it or not. So why start ahead of time? Right. So take these last couple de- days or weeks and hang out with your friends and your family and enjoy the time. All right, guys, I will catch you next week. Bye.